This is Van Malook, the ghost, and we're live with Waterflower. We've uh, interviewed you before, but we're now we're on our video podcast. So thank you for being on the program again. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be here today and uh, to speak to you face-to-face. Uh, -face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little different than what we've been doing for the last two years. We do like the audio podcast because it makes people kind of focus on like what you're saying rather than what you look like and how you perceive how you perceive visually but um in, in the world where everything's like video uh we kind of dove into it <laughs> so now now we're doing the video versions but we still do the audio this is actually going to still be on anchor fm uh, fantastic you know it'll still go out to like apple and spotify and all those other platforms but this won't be simultaneously real it will go out there so we're going to talk about um, your new uh, single, uh, Love, from your album. Is that maybe I make sure I got this, Balta Geisma? Yes, yes, that's you pronounced it perfectly. <laughs> it's white light, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that sounds really cool. Because, I mean, we talked to you before, and you've got this really kind of progressive, kind of experimental leanings in your music, which is, you know, where I kind of live and who I like to talk to among musicians that I interview. Um, but I guess it's leaning toward more of a, of a hyper pop PC music kind of 21st century pop. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely exploring those things. Uh, I think it, even there, um, I, the, the, the newest song in uh, progressive creation on the album was called was uh, which is actually the one that's uh, most towards this kind of hyper pop sound. Uh, but overall, I'd say, uh it's so experimental that, <laughs> that well, that's there cool are, that's a good thing that, that, <laughs> that it's, it's a lot of different things at once but i am very much into hyperpop and pc music so i hope people can hear that in there as well yeah well we're gonna go and play your video so i'm gonna cue it up and so see i think it's on the full screen now and then i'll mute your mic and then mute mine and then we'll get into this and then we'll talk about it on the back end of the video Thank you. 
So that's the love video, the official video. I'll take you off mute now and we'll get both back on. So that's really, I, I like the, the imagery. It kind of reminded me, I don't know, um, of the Smashing Pumpkins um, Tonight's Tonight video. Oh, I don't it, think I know that. Yeah, back in the 90s, they did this video that had like, um, it had this idea of the moon and they were kind of, like they had like kind of cut out things that you had in a video. This is not the same look, but they had some things, elements that were somewhat similar. But it, it that was experimental at the time too, <laughs> like progressive grunge. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But but what it kind of remind me of like uh, you know Kate Bush and Tori Amos, Laurie Anderson. Um, you've got that vibe, um, and I and I like the kind of down tempo kind of a lot of things today are so kind of into this kind of club beat and i find it's really cool when you actually slow down the tempo and then you can bring other elements in and that song is kind of really in that space yeah uh this that song was quite interesting because i it was the only song i started by uh looping some violin um just recording it on my loop station and then gradually that became and became a song which I played live now and again, but it was always a bit complicated because uh, um, well, I've played violin since I was small, but not that much. <laughs> and um, so it was always a challenge. And at one point in the studio, I was uh, once we recorded this bass loop that I'd always done, always done I took it home and just produced the the hell out of it <laughs> and, <laughs> and added so many things and so many layers and also uh, um, my partner Richard from this uh, project Lost Harbors he um, he uh, he played some guitar on it which you can just about hear and then it was kind of like a shadow it's like a shadow guitar track like it's really light I kind of hear it in my headphones. Yeah, yeah, it's just, just you know, it was, there's so many parts because I just went crazy with various layers because I love like orchestral um, oh. instrumentation, <laughs> and obviously it's all built digitally uh, yeah. except for the violin and the guitar. Everything else is just built from VSTs. But you got and, that kind yeah. of like uh, Phil Spector wall of sound, but you've got it in a in a real subtle way. Like if you listen to like Phil Spector, his stuff is like really kind of overwhelming. It's like there's so so much there that you're trying to kind of deconstruct it. But what you've done here is like I know that you've got all these layers, but it's more subtle. And and it's 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 not like totally in your face, but it's like it's a little down tempo. It's 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 experimental. You can feel the experimental groove. And then the video really shows that too. I mean, we can talk about how that got produced, but the song, you know, we'll focus on the song for now. It, I, I like the feel of it. It's really kind of where this space that I've always talked to people about, like, if you slow the BPM down, if you kind of go there with the, like, you know, the layers of, of, the, of the synthesis, and then you've got kind of like this newfound thing where, where you brought in the violin and then you, you, so you actually played that violin yourself? Yeah, 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 I did. That's cool. And um, I, I really like building uh chords with various different instruments let's say that each instrument just plays a uh, 
a melody part of that chord and that's how I fill fill the space with so many different sounds mm -hmm. um, so if each instrument is just playing a mono melody then together they kind of come together as, as this yeah. chord like sound kind of like what I do with my with my uh, modes my monophonic modes instead of going on a polyphonic synth I'll go and like layer different one note capabilities because like the monophonic nature of it sometimes is more powerful than even the chord and if you take a bunch of them and layer them it's kind of what you had to do before polyphonic sense but i kind of like the limitation mm. <laughs> of doing that because then it's harder to do it and it's not as easy you know you get to go into vst and do that but like if you take a hardware mode and you do that yeah, it ends up <laughs> yeah it's it's but it's kind of satisfying i kind of get the idea so when you actually did the basic demo for this, what was what what did that sound like? What was that? What was it? Uh, the demo was quite spacious because it was mm. all about these plucks of the violin, uh, this bass basic rhythm that's still there. And I wasn't planning on filling it up too much, but I just wanted to make it a little bit thicker. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, no. <laughs> then. <laughs> many things happened in the middle and end up being ended up being quite thick and probably not that easy to mix um but i really <laughs> love the <laughs> yeah, recording uh, engineer probably liked it <laughs> uh, well actually i i have a really good um a really good working relationship with the guy who uh, mixed the album and i actually recorded the vocals in his studio as well and uh, actually he won an award for producer of the year um in, in all of Latvia uh, wow. this year like just just some weeks ago and uh, for, really for this work for this work or other work no like he works with so many different projects mm -hmm. and a lot of experimental music as well cool. and uh yeah Which, it's good to have a recording engineer that, that has your um concept in mind you know that that, that doesn't go and kind of like I sometimes you run and hear stories in the past where like some engineers like they didn't understand Hendrix or they didn't understand, you know, like, like Peter Gabriel and they would go and like change what their intention is. <laughs> and then they go back and it's like, no, that's not my intention. <laughs> that, that's a tough one. That's a yeah. really, really tough one because uh, the way I work with people, I always like understand that they work with good intentions and I'm ready to hear them out. And, um, but let's say I just don't pick to work with people who won't hear me out as well. Yeah, yeah, otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the whole reason you're, you're kind of in this indie space is that, you know, the reason why we do this is because we have a vision and some people maybe don't have as full of complete vision and need to get molded. But I think people like yourself who have really core, you have a core idea what you want to do. And, and yeah. you want people to, on your team that they, they're team players from that point of view. <laughs> yeah, and it's just so much more interesting if, uh, well, if, if a person has something to say, I think it's so much more interesting to let them just get on with it. You know, obviously yeah. people need help and people need to work with each other. But, you know, just because someone doesn't understand something, it doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to change. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes there's like standard like recording practices that people who are more innovative break rules and then they said well you shouldn't do that or you shouldn't have that timing or you shouldn't have this kind of arrangement it's, so when you're in that experimental space if you get somebody's more traditional they, they all, all they do is like heavy metal or rock bands and then they hear them well that's not what i'm used to and then so <laughs> and then you don't it's like well you know i don't want it to sound like zeppelin <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, want it, I want it to sound more ethereal so it's gonna it's gonna be going for like yes or or pink floyd or it's gonna it's gonna have that kind of you know layered expansiveness i mean the whole idea i, I bring up the expansive sound is because i don't like limitations and in you know a lot of people i've been talking to it seems like you're, you're you're in that kind of space that you you like to mix all kinds of things like acoustic instruments like the violin sampling granular synthesis and everything that you do is it's really it's really cool it's kind of like a cutting edge it's where where you want to be to me <laughs> when you're in music but uh, everybody yeah, has their yeah. own little niche everybody has a niche and there's always things that are, are cool in every genre so i mean i talk to multiple genres all the time but um 
I was interesting. I was I was um, reading your your latest bio, and you actually met Brian Eno, who's a big uh, hero of mine as well. <laughs> yeah, that was so unreal. I can't even believe that it was real. Now, <laughs> it just so happened that he had a uh, exhibition opening in Riga, and uh, for some reason, I don't know why, the, it wasn't um, well advertised. And I only found out about it because a friend of mine uh, took a photo and put of a poster and put it on Instagram. And uh, well, that was good. That was a good catch. <laughs> yeah, and it was like a the opening party wasn't actually um, publicly announced, but mm -hmm. I had an inkling what time it could be based on previous experience, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I called up a curator who I knew, and I was like, "Look, how can I get in?" <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then it turned out that not that many people were there at all um, because they. Yeah, the gallery has somehow just failed to do the advertising. And then uh, people were supposed to ask him questions. And that curator was like, okay, so Sabine can start and ask him questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. And uh, yeah. yeah, that was that was amazing. Yeah, because I mean, his work with Bowie's work with you two, work with Dylan. I mean, I, I followed his work. And, you know, it's a big part of, you know, what I try to get to. And um at one point, like he found some of my stuff and he, he pushed it on on the label. He had awesome. like one, one song I did off this label, Mojo Heads. But um, yeah, it was just interesting um, that they you, you're in that same kind of space that you like. If you look at a person like him, I've I've seen some documentaries on him how he was working with uh, with uh, Bowie, and he was like like this going on a chalkboard and randomly telling people to put chords here and there <laughs> and then <laughs> using all kinds of studio equipment and, and you know just playing with things um and it just that to me is that whole idea is like taking some cutting edge equipment and maybe or taking some lo-fi equipment or taking whatever and just totally. having this yeah this different approach is like why can't we do that you know why shouldn't yeah. we do this you know. And and the, the other thing is, like, he's come from a contemporary art background. At least that's where he originally studied, and so have I. So I really resonate with uh, these uh, concepts he tries to put in the music. And, uh, yeah, I I could say that is that. I really look up to that because that is what I do as well. So it's just yeah. really comforting to see, like, this, you know, Amazing. It's cool to be in the same room with somebody that you got that kind of feel for, you know. Like, yeah. you know, like I got heroes, like you know, like you know, Rick Wakeman, Keith Emerson, you know, Pete Townsend, everybody in in Pink Floyd. I mean, Hendrix, but you know, Sunrise. I mean, if I ever met, yeah, I did get to see uh, Prince at Paisley Park one time, and uh, that was just a, a total re like relevant. Is this uh, to see him in his own house? And feel to be comfortable. He was just playing like a three-piece band, like a power trio. And he wasn't doing any of his hits. He was just playing like blues. Mm -hmm. And that was like, that's the kind of thing I wanted to see. And like everybody wants to see Purple Rain, but I actually wanted to see him do something that he just felt happy with. And playing like fuzzed out blues, like a, like a like like the Hendrix experience. That that's kind of what I always thought he could do and he does you see glimpses of it but to actually see that for live was like oh my gosh um yeah, that was pretty I, crazy. I actually i i googled that uh, uh smashing pumpkins music video and um google images came up with some interesting gifs and i can totally see what what you were saying about the love music video yeah um, you see what i'm saying it's nice yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not like you have a different like take on it but it's like somewhat in the same space which something which is cool. it's, it's happening in the sky and it's yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, that... they, they, yeah go ahead oh oh i just i just wanted to bring up the fact that the music video for love was made entirely at home oh you did um, that at home yeah yeah with um, a lot of like like technical gear to like do it like no like, do it a computer no, not... or was like or was <laughs> it done like a yeah, and yeah. a pen and a scanner and a camera and some lights and some green fabric. Um, yeah, that's no. really cool. I mean, I like <laughs> it. I, I think it's cool. I mean, I think it's it has a really cool feel. 
I'm really, really actually proud of that video because uh, any project which I've done like from A to Z on my own, it's always quite a hassle to stay focused and, you know, to keep on, to keep on going until you reach the finish line. And this is one of the ones where I did it. <laughs> so well, it's like, cool yeah. that you took the, you have the whole song you did yourself, you know, and then you did this video. So you kind of got that kind of Laurie Anderson kind of complete artist uh, concept, you know, like Andy Warhol. I mean, I, I, I was a, that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was, I'm a big fan of like what Warhol was doing with the velvets underground. He like, he used to have these big happenings and the velvets would be there, actors would be there, you know, poets and models. And then he'd be running his like visual paintings behind the band or films around the band. And there's this very artistic and it's cool to see when there's this kind of uh, synthesis of, of art and video and music and you're kind of pulling all that together and that's that's really to me that's the whole picture of an artist is like how you come off as like your your stagecraft and that video kind of shows your stagecraft and gives you like the visual input to like how your perspective on the song and um it's yeah. cool to have it coming all from you rather than some video director that interpreted you and created it. Not that that's not cool, but it's cool that you yeah. get the art, your artist vision. Yeah, no, it's it's a language, a visual. At least the way the way I use my visuals is it's like it's totally a language, and I feel like when you listen to Waterflower, or when when someone listens to Waterflower, they really are only getting part of the whole thing. Like whenever I perform, the, I spend a lot of uh, uh, energy also repairing the visual parts, and it's it's part of the performance. Like yeah, the, yeah, way, the way I work, you, it, it's not it's not like the music is there for people to put on repeat on some playlist in the background. It's it's an yeah. art piece itself that is audio visual. So so that I goes really toward... like it when people get to experience it, these two things together. That kind of goes toward your album because the people we're in such an age where it's like the single and the Spotify playlist or whatever playlist. Um, but the idea of White Light or Both of the Guys, um, is that like a concept album or does every song kind of feel like it fits within the, this project? Um, it's it's not it's not exactly a concept album. It's uh it's it's it is an album album <laughs> like i mean like uh i was touring a lot before covid like loads or in around europe and um oh, i was hoping to get to the next step and go further as well but all these songs were basically created and toured um for On about five well, years yeah and so they yeah. changed over that period i mean some are older some are some are newer and uh that's just like the, the the ones which stuck with me the longest and that i felt needed to be uh, oh so it was kind of like your set list was it like your performance list became your album yeah like, something like yeah, that yeah because yeah, sometimes that happens with a band like you go out and you start developing like a set list because you got to play like what 30 minutes 45 minutes an hour depending on what type of gig you're doing and then you start to build like a show and yeah. you know and if you're a new band and you don't have a full album yet that 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 show tends to become your album <laughs> you know yeah no i mean there there are loads more songs that didn't make it to this album and there are actually a couple which i'm just holding back until special the, ne the next one so the next project <laughs> and uh but yeah, I really felt how the songs changed whilst performing them live to different people in different countries because uh, I just got to test them out on real people and see how real people reacted and what they resonated with. And uh, I've always tried to c connect with the audience in some way. I mean, obviously, all this is very, very, um, can be very overwhelming also when it's big visual woo and the sounds are all weird and everything's weird but I do really actually care for my audience and connecting with them and the moment I see that they they're getting that or they're not getting that of the song then next time round I do work at it 
make mental notes. So they have changed. And the weirdest thing is that some of the melodies have slightly changed. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I found some old demos of some of the songs and I was like, totally sure I've always been singing it the same. And in the demo, it's slightly different. And I'm like, well, that seems like it's yeah. weird. It's like, it's like the labs. Like when you go to play in front of an audience, like what worked in the studio, then suddenly for live performance, suddenly the, the song changes to make it actually work. Then you, you kind of, it's like a laboratory. You, you get into social feedback and then you feel like, okay, when yeah. I perform this, I have to kind of do it like this because the, this is how the people will receive it. And when you're in the studio, you're kind of like it's an audience of one or a couple, four or five people. And, and you've got one vibe and you're kind of going for a different feel to me on studio recordings versus what you yeah, do yeah. live. Yeah. yeah, and then it ends up being emerging and say, like, okay, what can I, how, because some bands are like, oh, okay, I gotta try to make us sound more like our live performance in a studio. And then other bands are like, I don't actually want to sound like I do live. I want to mm. sound like something I can't do live. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because sometimes you make the, the album so such, such a way it's so difficult to play live that the live version never matches the studio version because you can't oh. actually do it. <laughs> Do you ever yeah. find that kind of problem? Like with some of your songs, is it is it too hard to actually do it exactly as you recorded um, it and you have like a studio performance versus a live performance version? Well, I'm a little bit far removed from all that now. So I, I'm struggling to answer mm -hmm. that question. Because <laughs> <Just, you know, laughs> nobody's been able to be out there for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But generally uh, working with the loop station means I can uh, separate the songs yeah. into different parts and uh, play only some bits live but then have the parts of the songs uh, prepared let's say smartly so if I need a certain part to be extended or or yeah. uh, switch quicker I can do that um, so yeah, yeah. I, I, modern, I yeah I couldn't play all the electronics live. It would just not be possible. Yeah, it's, it's difficult because, you know, I'm, I'm a one-person project myself, and I, I use a lot of, like, I kind of handicap myself with all these analog sequencers. So I've oh. got all these analog sequencers kind of timed off of each other. Okay. And then, like, so so I don't have the luxury, like, that, like a loop station. I'm kind of, like, uh, I kind of... I kind of free and controlled because I'm controlled by what the limitations of the analog equipment, but then the analog equipment can kind of go off on its own in, in some yep. ways. Like if I change the rate of the LFO or I change an envelope and it's triggering something else, it gives me something unexpected. And then I can kind of like a jazz musician kind of flow with it, or yeah. I can just run it like, okay, I can run it off. I use hardware recorders instead of like loop stations. So I'll have like, Oh, like Alexandro Cortini, uh, Alexandro from as Alexandro Cortini from Nine Inch Nails. He had a habit of using like Tascams and then mm. muting and unmuting hardware Tascams tape recorders on stage with Nine Inch Nails. And I mm -hmm. saw him like, and I kind of been copying that that technique in that that you you have a controlled, you can keep your song the same as you recorded it because you had the original master, but then you can mute and unmute and then change it by doing that, or even run that output into something that changes it by running it through effect pedals or something. And then in that way, you can have like this live performance that could be stable or unstable or change wherever you want, but it's not on a computer, it's all like hardware. No, that's amazing. And I, I know some people who uh, actually, actually my, my dad's starting to do electronic music again he used to be in a in cool. a in a synth pop band when uh, he was younger like a, and like a new wave band like a new romantic band uh, depeche mode yeah depeche mode yeah <laughs> and i saw that he's recently um he got a oh god what was it it was some sort it was this really new thing where you could uh, sequence several uh analog midi instruments all at once like he does the thing that, that, that you're oh, saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's <laughs> what I, that, that's, I like hardware sequencers because you run off the different clocks and it's just it's it's a little tricky but it's like it's i think the whole beauty of it is like you, you dive into it down a rabbit hole you just like yeah. any if you if you get into a model like a, like any kind of analog equipment 
it ends up being a big rabbit hole because like you could spend like a couple hours just oh where's this going where's this going where's this going you just keep on going down the hole and you get somebody knocks on the door he's like you've been in there for like five hours on one thing it's like okay (laughs) but it's like maybe i should go faster but i don't want to (laughs) but um so like with love how long did that take to compose and is that is that something that took over a long period of time or was it something that came to you kind of quickly um i didn't have a time limit so yeah so i mean i'm not that i'm trying to put it i'm just wondering because some songs take like take months to to recreate and some songs kind of just happen just wondering like because it seemed like you were layering it so it must have been over time you were doing that yeah no the whole the whole album it kind of just happened um and love included and uh um I started, yes, I started with the violin and then I recorded some um, lo- lo-fi uh, um, o- open, um, open, um, uh, oh God, open board synths uh, mm-hmm. in the loop station as well. And then I was like, oh, what should I do? And I was staying somewhere where there was a piano and I set my little zoom up and I recorded some more piano loops oh so there oh, cool. is another analog instrument this piano yes yeah yeah I actually have <laughs> piano all off or like a field recorder like a zoom field recorder and you pick yeah, it up yeah just just a zoom h1 because it's got really nice really nice yeah the, mics, yeah the mics are good on that yeah yeah and so I just recorded some loops on that and then that became that basis of the song and that was gosh I think that was in 2017 or 2018 and then uh, in the studio, yeah, did that, and then spent another few weeks thinking about it and doing it on and off. So I'm not sure how long the song itself actually took to make, but I've I've drawn out the process because I do prefer to um, put things aside and revisit them again later because I I find that if I try and do everything all at once, everything ends up sounding like the same, the same song. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is a good thing. I mean, I, why I like, I kind of was watching Frank Zappa documentary and he had this habit of um, like taping everything he ever did. So when they would go out and tour, he had all these reels of reels and they'd go home. His wife would say, he'd come home and he'd have all these reels on the floor and they're from different projects. And he would start mm. splicing them. And he said, well, here's some live stuff I did. Here's a studio I did. And then he then he just sit there with his headphones and say, okay, this works with this project. This works. And he had things in the like project lanes. And then he would start cutting them and say, oh, this little piece from this tape actually goes better with this. And then he start bouncing them around. And that's, that's kind of a cool thing to do. Um, I, I think Neil Young used to do that too with Crazy Horse. They used to do these big reels and then go back and listen and then move things around um, yeah I get that I totally get that I, I used to when I started out I would spend like a couple of days just recording things uh, including lots of uh, household objects and like just finding whatever I could that made a weird sound and then um, another day I'd cut up the samples and make, build like my own little sample libraries where the names were understandable and so on and then later when I felt like it, I would create songs out of them. And very much the lyrics also get collected in that same sort of way that I just write them down. And when it's time to put stuff together, something just matches. Do you have like a diary or a journal for your lyrics? Do you like formally keep them in like a book? Or do you kind of go all over the place with different like pads of paper here and there? Yeah, it used to be pads of paper. Um, and then I realized um, that that doesn't work. Um, because it can get lost and that's sad and now I just um I just use my notes on my phone and then I know it's always connected to no, the you know you got so it. if I never, <laughs> I'll never lose it now yeah yeah you can kinda... search for the keywords you know like I want to make yeah. a song about this have I ever written anything on this theme oh yes oh look that's perfect Something yeah like it's that. cool to use like one note or notes on your phone or whatever you know whatever note you do I, I started to do that as well i started using like you know word and doc and yeah just so I, mean, I could go and get it wherever i was like whatever device i was on i could just jump on it and it's like oh there it is 
and just like you're saying, doing a keyword search for something because I couldn't remember what I called it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that as well. I've learned that. And I'm still trying to learn that to like name things in names that are understandable. And the one of the worst things is like a project always has a work in progress name, which has got nothing to do with the end title. Oh, yeah. So your original <laughs> name is like so like I do that with song titles. I'll have something I did. And then I'll make like 10 versions of it. Each one of them's got a different name. And then I can't remember which one I like better. After like, if I go back and like, I, I save like six oh, no. variations. And then it's like, which one was the one I thought was the good one? Like, oh man, now, now I gotta go back and listen to all of them. <laughs> which I guess yeah. is not a bad thing to go back into your archive and listen to what you were doing. Cause I think that it's like, I find that if I go back in my archive like five years ago or two months ago, like if I go back, I find stuff that's like I didn't think worked, but now where my head's at now, it works. And then I was like, oh yeah, I can work on that. And then, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. just weird how that happens. I mean, sometimes it's like something like wasn't working, and then you've got something new, and then now suddenly that works with what you're doing. And then you're kind yeah. of like, oh, you know, it's like I think all songwriters find that you know they find a lyric, and they can't get the hook, or they can't get the one section. They leave it alone, and then suddenly they come back to it, and it has like an epiphany. It's like the muse comes in, and they're like, "Oh, now I got it," you know? <laughs> yeah, so totally. Yeah, I heard like Greg Ullman with like the famous song Melissa. He had it for years, but he didn't have a big part of the song was missing, and he just mm -hmm. couldn't figure it out. And um, in fact, it was the it was the title it was the, the 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 lyrics Melissa. He didn't know what name of the woman he wanted to be in the song. Uh -huh. And then there was a whole section he didn't have because he hadn't finalized who the, who the woman character in the song should be. And then suddenly he just had this epiphany. I guess he, he met somebody that he knew and he's like, okay, that's going to be it. And then suddenly he finished it. And it was, it was sitting on the shelf for like three, four years. <laughs> and it, you never know how things happen. Like, like something triggers something and then boom. Yeah, no, I, I really feel that... Um... Mm, art shouldn't be overworked and I mean because I feel like it's gonna a lot of work is always gonna put into finishing something and I'm I'm quite uh I quite think that like things should get finished you know thing, things uh, should get rounded off and finished off nicely but uh when it comes to the actual idea and uh, so on like and, and fixing things working things out i really feel that that should be done in a uh, playful and light way and that's that's another reason why i'm ready to just put stuff aside for a while and i yeah i don't mind putting it aside for a very long time and um, this is sometimes a problem when i look with other people <laughs> <laughs> but you had the song that you actually attached capacitive sense to plants. I guess yes. I called palm versus palm. Can you talk about that? Yes. Um, that one was quite interesting to do. Uh, it also has a music video and the music video includes actual footage from the recording process. Like I Ooh, set, I set cool. up, I set up like a, a pretty crazy looking thing in my living room and uh, and just to film to myself recording the samples and then I took that footage together with the audio and put it into uh, Ableton and then cut up that and the way Ableton works is that you can um, it, it keeps the link to the video footage um, when you cut up the audio and just work with the audio mm -hmm. so so once I came up with a composition out of um, the bits of plants, <laughs> bits of palm tree that I'd recorded. Uh, then I went and filmed extra footage to fill in all the black blanks where there was no no uh, palm trees. So I don't think it's very easy to understand uh, which bits were recorded pre, you know, done before and which bits were done after, mm -hmm. because it's. Um, uh, I think I merged it pretty well. <laughs> Well, that's cool. I, I like the, the way you, uh, your creative process. And I mean, even the idea of using the plants, you know, that's pretty cool to, 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 to take that. Where did you get that idea like on your own? Or is that something you had looked up or somebody had told you to try? Or is that just um, you were just experimenting and you figured it out? 
years ago, six years ago, um, I wanted to get a small synth because I was really into having lots of little gadgets. And uh, back then, I didn't have a loop station. I just had a, a looper, two loopers, and lots of little gadgets. So I wanted another small synth. And um, uh, a friend showed me, like, uh, some sort of, like, 15 Kickstarter synths you need. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, really? Those are cool to get. I like to get, like, these off, these really one-off type ones. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. Cool and uh, th this is actually the one I was using originally, the first one, because I got carried away with it after. But the first one I was using was uh, called, a, well, I still have it, a Dentaku Ototo. And uh, it's out of production now, um, but that's the capacitive synth. And I, it was advertised to be played with, you know, fruits and vegetables and a bit like a makey makey, if you've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there's a new one from like Noise called Estrega that actually, you can actually take like organic material and it's got like touch, like it's like a bukla. So mm. it's, it's it, uh, the, the, to actually, interface with it are like not you know it's like bucla type keys where they're like uh solid state little capacitive things that you can throw organic material on like your fingers where you could take like a, a piece of uh, like uh like a vegetable like a like a yeah red exactly you could take a red yeah. pepper and then connect it from one thing to the next and, and oh, it right. actually does a lot of weird noise i mean it, it has like a karaoke delay analog delay <laughs> built into it and so it, it tends to do a lot of weird stuff with noise like white pink brown blue all types of noise that, it, that's pretty cool though yeah noisy noisy peppers i like that yeah you can yeah even noisy peppers <laughs> they, be, they, they can be a good album you can have that one <laughs> yeah but 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 anyway like i think i think uh i think that, yeah it was advertised on bananas and apples or whatever and uh but for some reason when i saw that i was like wait a minute plants <laughs> you know, yeah. just the moment the moment I saw it, I knew that I'm going to get it in order to play plants on stage, and it just it just came to me, and I was like, every venue has plants. I can find plants, and I can oh, yeah, you can use you can use them. <laughs> yeah, and cool. and it, that that's and I ordered it, and then I mean, it took a while for me to get to uh, work it properly because it's it's a bit temper temperamental, mm -hmm. but eventually. Eventually, after about half a year and various different experiments of uh, also doing like capacitive drawing, uh, like drawing a drawing and making that make sounds through it and stuff like that, or, or you know, um, no, uh, like a, I also did like capacitive scissors for one performance where I had like various different scissors connected to each key. So the scissor I was cutting with was oh, the yeah, one that's, that that's awesome. That's the kind of thing I like. You know, it's like kind of like like I said, like uh, the what what Warhol used to do and what like the mothers of invention used to do in these big happenings. They had all these artists that would show up and do like, like, uh, I don't know, like performance uh, art, performance <laughs> art. Yeah. It's like Laurie Anderson again, I keep on inventing her. But um, one thing I was noticing that you also got like best experimental music album and best uh, um, album design nominated with this, the Zelta micro funds award. Mm, that's the annual Latvian Music Awards. So, uh, that's pretty cool. yeah, I got two nominations, which is amazing. It's the first time I've entered um, into that prize, and yay, that was just amazing. And I, I just really am feeling really happy that once again I get to be audiovisual. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like I would love to see like a show, like when you were, you were going to be like going worldwide, you were going to come to New York, you were going to go like London, you were going to go like a big tour. I was going to tour loads. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was touring all the time. You had already been doing it. You just kind of got put off because of the COVID. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was, I was just, just when all this started, it was, um, I was supposed to do an Asian tour. Oh, wow. You're going to go to like Seoul and Tokyo maybe? Oh, it, it was like more uh, more experimental through uh, through uh, someone I met online, um, but it was supposed to be Indonesia, Malaysia, oh, cool. Nepal, oh. and Taiwan. Wow. 
and yeah everybody usually everybody's going like the, the, what i just said but but to do the other places is probably that's kind of cool if you're coming yeah i, w- I wouldn't be opposed to that that's kind of cool because i was actually I in the situation yeah I, w- I mean i was try- had a booking agent just when this thing happened and i had oh. a booking agent that could get me to like berlin and london and then oh, suddenly no. oh you can't go <laughs> yeah so i just yeah. doubled down on podcasting <laughs> yeah no lots of things have stopped and it's so un- honestly it's unclear when it's going to go back to anything again so and at first i tried loads of live streaming um uh and i think at some point i will do some more live streams but i kind of that yeah, first way you used to do that a lot I, mean, I remember when i talked to you before didn't you do that when we talked the last time you were you had been doing live streaming where hadn't you? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think so. you were. But I mean, yeah. yeah, the thing about live streaming, I guess other people, the feedback I get from artists is is like you need the artists love to connect with the audience. Yeah. Right. And when you're doing a live streaming, you kinda gotta get in a zone where you kinda get into like a trance state because you're into what you're doing. And then that can mm. be that can be cool. But if you're if the type of artist that kind of really needs the audience to get there then it's difficult to kind of mm. do do a cool performance if you can't kind of work yourself into a fever state to be dynamic enough to make it interesting. <laughs> yeah, totally. And like before at gigs, it was enough for people just to simply show up. And now after, well, after any live stream performance, I always was like, well, is that it? Like, I, I felt like, I just wish people would comment on the live stream videos yeah. because like you can't see their faces and as I said like be, before yeah, it'd be, be enough be, for them to simply turn up but now it would be cool um, if on their phone they could jump on like a like a 10 20 person call and actually quick Q&A the artist you know yeah which maybe just, in some situations that'd be cool and maybe some situation wouldn't. <laughs> but, it's just um, weird afterwards. Like you, you build up this huge, um, well, not huge, but in my case, I, I build up a, a visual something and a sound yeah, yeah. something. And, and then once you're done, it's like, okay, that's oh, it, I guess. Yeah, I, I should it's just a go bad come down. He goes from like 100 down to zero. Back down. <laughs> yeah, you and go you know, from like 100 to zero. After a hard. real gig, I go and talk to people always. And yeah. I, 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 sp- I have a lovely evening talking to whomever I've met for the first time. And and it's 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 just really nice. And yeah. Yeah. That's the whole thing. I mean, I think artists are about community. And, you know, mm-hmm. it includes the fans and the bloggers and the press and anybody who's there. Um, and so <clears throat> it's just, you know, when you're not on the road, like I used to go to Boston and New York because where I am in New Hampshire, people don't get the type of music I do. <laughs> so I have to always go outside of my own town. I can't, I can't really play in my hometown, but, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, when you go to New York, it's just so much is like going on. Like you show up in a small club, 300, 400 people. And usually there's a lot of people who are into experimental music. They're into the type of music I'm doing. I go to the venues where people are looking for that. Yeah. And, and that is just so, cool i mean as an artist i get you know you end up going to a diner where you talk to a blogger talk to you know some other people that are like really core fans like a real hardcore fan is like you know that's always at the, all the shows and so like, okay let's go hang out you know and um yeah it's just it's cool when you can do that and you can trust the situation where you don't feel like it's uncomfortable or it's gonna be a problem <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and like uh, for for all experimental music, it's really it's not meant like it's not meant for everyone. It's it's weird to say that, but it really isn't. It's yeah. it's meant for people who enjoy that kind of experimentation, and it yeah that that's one of the reasons why it's so important to find the audience as an experimental musician. Like you have to travel to the people. Yeah, you have to go where the scene is. Like, you know, what we do, people in Berlin appreciate it. You know, there's certain scenes that are really into it. Like, I know some places in Tokyo, you could could do what I'm doing. Um, In some places, like in San Francisco, I could get get a pretty good audience. It's just you kind of know the the scene. You know, know, where where are people doing like modular synthesis where there's guys on 
uh, Euro racks for like doing like th- you know twenty minutes straight on like one kind of drone or whatever, and people are into it. And so, okay, mm-hmm. that's the kind of place where you could go, and maybe they've got a, a screen and they're running their visuals, and they have some actors on stage acting things out. I was like, well, yeah, that that's 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 the kind of scene I want to go into. <laughs> yeah. So I, I look for that. It's like, where are their film students? Where are mm-hmm. their like? experimental musicians and that that wherever that scene is that's where okay that's i'll be there because <laughs> that's that's you know that's where it's happening i think that's why i do this podcast is within that the group of people multiple genres that are trying to get um folks who don't just want to hear one one song on a playlist or you're one of 20 song you know artists on a playlist they actually want to listen to waterflower like everything you do right so you so the kind of old kind of school fan that, that will go get vinyl or get a CD and sit down and listen to every song and then we write to you, to your fan club, or, your, you know, be somebody writing to your newsletter back when people mm. used to get fanzines and stuff. You know, it's like, yeah. that's the kind of fan I like to engage. They, they will actually buy the, the vinyl, you know, that will mm. show up and buy the cassette. They'll buy the t-shirt that will show up at like four shows in a row because that's what they're into. Because that's what yeah. I do. I mean, I would go see Parliament Funkadelic three times if they played yeah. like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I see them like every night <laughs> because the way they were, it's like they play differently every night, and so yeah. that's what that's why I wanted to see them. I didn't want to see them running the same thing on a CDJ exactly the same way they did it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. <laughs> you know, not that that's bad, and not that everybody does that. People change things, but um, mm-hmm. it's just I, I kind of into the kind of flowing kind of jazz improvisation of like progressive music, you know, that's what I like, but mm. I think there's a certain type of fan that's into that. You know, like you said, it's like, yeah. it's not every fan that's into that and you find the ones who, who want to be in that kind of experience. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, when then finding, finding that little group, that little niche of people in every town, all city that I tour in has been really amazing. And, you know, kind of in some ways there are good aspects of being in this current situation as well, because I feel that in some ways, instead of reaching out to just the people that we could meet going outside in in the community, like suddenly everybody is a potential to reach out to. And, um, I've been having interesting online connections and conversations and like this one <laughs> and that yeah. I don't think would really have existed before then. I mean, it wouldn't have felt, it would have felt like something somehow further away, you know, despite the yeah. fact that it's not like. Well, it's cool that I, mean, I can talk to you. World. Yeah, that I can talk to you in Latvia, you know, through this technology. Yeah. And the fact that like most of the musicians I talk to are like outside the U.S., you know, they, they, it just, I find people like in the Netherlands and Finland, Iceland, you know, mm. everywhere. Um, and what's really cool is this, the, the ability, like you said, like a lot of times um, when you're an experimental artist, somebody shows up to the show and they're another producer, they're another artist. And then you end up yeah. getting a connection and then you end up working with them. I mean, yeah. I've ended up like, like, you know, from this podcast, I've done collaborations. I've actually ended up doing projects. Yeah where somebody comes like and say, you know what, I really kind of like what Peg's doing. It's like, can we kind of do something? And I've had like three different projects that came out of interviews from this podcast and dealt with people from all around the world. And that's, I think that's the whole idea of music is to have a community and and to do that. And, uh, you know, usually musicians, like, you know, we kind of go see other musicians. We we become fans of other musicians and and we just, okay, that's, because when I listen to your work, it gives me ideas it's like, okay, that's a different way to look at that, to, to, a different way to produce. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, I think we absorb what we hear. And sometimes it, yeah. just, it just comes out when I'm playing, I might pull like a, a Coltrane phrase or I might pull like a Funkin' Burry New World, like chord progression, just because it was in my head. And I just, yep. you know, I didn't mean to do it, but it just comes out because we, we kind of are who our influences are. For sure. Yeah. For sure. 
Yeah, look, actually, speaking of that, I mean, that happens to all of us. And I think that's really cool. And I, I like identifying it as well. Um, when it happens, I mean, that's a new stuff that no one's heard yet. I like identifying uh, when a melody sounds similar to something a certain other band would do. And then I I decide to go all the way and find a similar instrument and it's different. I make sure it's a different melody, but I'm like, Oh, then the people yeah. who like that band will know. <laughs> yeah. They'll know. They'll know. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's, it's like all music. Like if you think about the blues, it's kind of like lead belly and Robert Johnson. They're in the kind of same space. They're, they're all kind of within that genre. They're kind of bouncing off each other. So it's certain, like, if you get into, like, you know, bebop jazz, there's a certain form, and all the bands that do that form are going to be in that space. So they're kind of, like, all influencing each other. And same thing with, like, a different types of electronic music. There's certain people that were iconic in it, or certain people were kind of, like, the standard bearers of that form, and then you, you, you're going to pull it in. You're going to pull in some Joy Division, you might pull in some New Order, some Depeche Mode, you might... You know, some cure, like any echo in a bunny man, any of the bands that you hear. You know, I grew up listening to so much of this stuff, it just, it just kind of bounces in and out of my head. It does, it does, <laughs> it does. And, um, well, I mean, that's a totally different theme, but like recently, <sighs> I've been teaching my parrot various uh melodies, and he's come up with totally new songs, he's learned human notes now, and oh, wow. I find that really inspiring that the way he even takes like a melody. And yeah, he reinterprets it. Yeah, he has his own. Comes up with a new song. It's, it's just it's it's great having a, a little um, a little uh, non-human musician at home. <laughs> I had a little parakeet. You know, she passed on. I had two of them, and they would pick up sometimes stuff I did on my on my keyboard when I actually yeah. had. My, they would oh. she she would actually pick up things and actually do it. And they, like I never knew what, why she would pick certain phrases over other ones. She just like decided <laughs> like I well I like that one. So what's the cool vanity? Her, her name was Vanity. I was like, oh wow, it's like Vanity. Like why do you like that one? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> she just like you didn't like this one, but you like that one. It's like okay, that's what she like. That's really cute, and it's, it's so cool. Yeah, also like having having birds at home whilst making music. I also do feel that. I feel I feel like. If the bird is impressed, then I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, you got something. Like if Vanity likes it, then I'm on to something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like if she digs it, then that's that's pretty cool. So I should keep on working on that. I actually did that a couple of times, but um <laughs> Yeah. I'm also guilty of that, yeah. <laughs> but it's great, great having you on on the podcast again. And and like I said, we're gonna push this out. We are, have been live on YouTube and Twitch and our facebook channel so that's cool and they're going to stay permanently on those channels and we'll awesome. send you the link, links if um we'll send you the links to where they are um we also like i said we'll do the audio version and that'll take a little bit for that with an hour or two uh for those to have actually happen but anytime are you actually working on your next project you said you had stuff that was kind of left over or so is it going to translate into another project are you going to kind of push this project for the most of this year or do we should we expect like another mm. waterfall or flower out mm. well um i have a song that i'm currently working on um where i uh, went and recorded snowdrops like wild snowdrops oh field field and recording cool yeah like but this time i um i used uh I recorded their um I recorded MIDI from them. So using a MIDI sprout. Oh, um, MIDI information. So the rhythm of yes. yeah, pattern, the pattern coming. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like and that. Uh, I, I also had um I had some friends, uh my friend director um Lima come and film me doing that as well. Like as oh, a hope awesome. to try and make it more understandable that it, you know, like to connect yeah. the this yeah. sound came from plant and, and yeah um, yeah good sound here so, from snow yeah <laughs> yeah so so that that i'm currently working on and i i have kind of like a deadline to finish it um asap whilst it doesn't turn into full-blown spring here 
<laughs> so that would just be like a single with a video release? Yeah, yeah. And then after that, I've ha I have a, um, I'm planning to release another single from the same album. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, with, with the music video, fingers crossed. Do you have uh, this album on vinyl or, or CD? On vinyl, on pink you do? vinyl. Yes. Oh, you do. Well, yeah. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I'm gonna have to put the order <laughs> for that. Because I just, I just went crazy getting uh, setting up for like a vinyl. Uh, I, I like wanted to jump back into vinyl, and then I went crazy, and I, and I got this, like, you know, tube, tube amplifiers like you know vacuum tube oh, amplifiers yeah. <laughs> oh that's so that's, cool so i want to see yeah. what, what your album sounds like coming through a vacuum tube amp, um, um, amplifiers because that's like the oh, old school like yeah because, well you know I'm, I'm into mode so you know i'm gonna go for something like that but um so like <laughs> when i put the vinyl down like a pink vinyl that's you no know, that's gonna be cool so what, just just a hint to everybody watching, maybe you should do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, if you go to the link that's on the screen, um, I think that it does also lead to the Bandcamp. Where... Cool. Yeah, Bandcamp. So that's where you're, you're doing now, Bandcamp? That's cool. Yes, yeah, I have some stuff there. Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm planning on I, I had a project. I was oh, gonna, uh, oh here it is. I, oh, there it is. Heard. Oh, somebody just handed it to you. Yeah, it's got a cool it, it's uh it's got a gatefold inside um, oh awesome pink wow. i can't see Where, where's the pink where's the pink because i was handed it then of course i need to yeah. um, oh yeah, oh this is the special copy that's a special copy oh it's it's different just normal. this one's different yeah no this is going to be okay this is this is a bad advertisement this is not what you that's get that's not the one that's not the one that's a special edition <laughs> Yeah, no, because the the this was pressed in a plant in Riga. Um, oh, so is that like the like the like a test pressing or the original pressing, like a special pressing? Uh, this is a special one because actually it's it's like a full pink in the the one yeah. on Bandcamp, but then they uh, they um, gifted me these a uh, few uh, experiments. Oh, special edition. Yeah, oh, that's cool. yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, so so. Uh, yeah, but it's the actual vinyl is totally pink, like hot pink, and um, and no, I think yeah, that's totally. It's all like, pink. <laughs> well, I think with an artist like yourself, it's good to physically have your work, so that you can like touch the work and then you know put it down on a, on a, on a nice stereo system, and 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 For really sure. hear it. And, so I, yeah, and coming from like. A touring artist perspective i mean the whole reason why i wanted to have vinyl was because the merch table is after after playing shows and i've always wanted to have this large gatefold big image thing especially you know as a visual artist and multimedia designer i, I work with the uh, stuff for print anyway so i was like oh yes I, I yeah i mean that's the thing about vinyl that i love is the art Cause when you do like when I, anytime you do a project, you know, I work on these like sci-fi concept records and I got these ideas for like, you know, like a lyric sheet and for the photos. And it's all like thematic. Cause I grew up with like, really, you know, like things like Tommy and Quadrophenia and, you know, wish you were here. And this the idea that, that it's a big event to have an album that has some kind of connection to the to the fan that they, they open it up and they've got like some things that make them get connected to the artist they, they you they, that also makes the focus that yeah. i'm not gonna go take my needle and skip around the record i'm actually gonna let it play all the way through and then put the headphones on it actually listen and not be distracted by jogging or mm -hmm. blogging or doing other things that i think that's part of the problem today is fans are not well maybe fans who have experimental musicians like ourselves i think do listen to our complete projects because mm -hmm. that's kind of the nature of our work we tend not to be playlist kind of focused people we're more of like project focused for so, sure i, I i'm like so so happy for anyone who um like listens to my album from a to z because i've I really thought about the order of the album a lot and the songs are very different, but the way I've ordered them 
at least in my opinion, they stick, they all come together quite nicely. And one of the reasons why I put out Love as the um, third single recently was because it's it's a very beautiful uh, final track for the album. And I think some people might have not gotten that far at all. So Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I... Usually, if I listen to an artist, I, I try to l listen to like their complete thought, which is their mm -hmm. EP or their album, because that's how you know how I find guests. <laughs> yeah. so I'll, I'll listen to people because it's like I, I like I'm the kind of fan. I, I used to go to the physical record store every Tuesday or Friday and look up on the board with the chalkboard, and they would say these records are out, right? And I would go and read Billboard or read Rolling Stone. Or read spin and anybody that got like a five star review, I usually would buy the record. <laughs> and it didn't matter the genres. Like anybody who got a five star review, four star review, I would be like, okay, I want to, I want to try that. And um, and it does this. Then I would come home and I'd set aside time to like two hours to listen to all this stuff. And and I, I think that that you know people today are so distracted by so many different things. You know, five thousand channels on the TV and all the in video games and everything else that they don't give themselves the time to enjoy music, you know, in the way that it could be enjoyed. So I hope the people who listen to this will, will go pick up your record, actually get the vinyl paint version and sit down in a nice quiet place and listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. If I, and also the vinyl gives an opportunity for uh, me to be audio visual again, <laughs> yeah. you know, you get, That's you cool. get a visual thing to look at. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Waterflower, for being on the program. Anytime you want to uh, uh, talk about another project, feel free to you know connect with us. We're we're always willing to do that. So awesome. thank you for being on the show again. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Thank you. We look forward to uh, getting that vinyl pretty soon. We'll probably yay. <laughs> we're we're putting our order in right now. So bye. <laughs> thank you very much. And have have a nice uh, oh it's day yeah have a nice day <laughs> it's daytime here but uh yeah. it's probably nighttime where you are right yeah it's the sun sun the sun has gone down at this point yeah okay have a good have a good night bye thank you bye